love the team. They don't have to get punished for the fights. Just bring them in for the ones who not going to be able to be here. Mark, I'm just going to add to that that um, there was a year when I also told people that they didn't have to have singing ability, <laughs> and there was a year I regretted that. So I'm just, I'm just, I don't say that anymore. But um, you know, you can say it, but it's at your own risk. So there you go. It was a joyful noise year. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., different guy. Martin Luther, from the 1500s. He was one of the most significant figures in Christian history. And Martin Luther was a theologian. He was a monk. He went to, he was in a place in Germany, and there was a council called the Diet of Worms in 1521. Now, the Diet of Worms had absolutely nothing to do with eating worms. It was just what the name of the meeting was called, and worms in German was Varms, and it was like a place. So anyway, he was teaching against the idea that sins could be forgiven if you paid money to have them forgiven. Because back in the time, it was, uh, so in, in the 1500s, a lot of people couldn't read, and most people didn't have the Bible in their own language. The Bible was in Latin or in Hebrew or Greek. And so uh, they, they had to rely on certain religious leaders to tell them what the Bible said. And because of that, there were some wrong teachings that were coming, and one of those wrong teachings was, you have to pay money in order to get your sins forgiven. So Martin Luther was speaking out ag against that. He's teaching about it. He's speaking out against that. He said it shouldn't be this way. And the, the powers that be were not happy with him. They were so unhappy with him that his life became threatened. And they said, Martin Luther, you are an outlaw, and that means your life is no longer protected by law, so people can kill you, and it's not illegal. Well, at that point... Martin Luther's friends staged a pretend kidnapping. So they, they pretended to kidnap him and made it look like someone kidnapped him and killed him. But the real purpose was to rescue him. So they whisked him off to Wartburg Castle in Germany, and he hid there at this castle for over a year. During that time, he translated the Latin Bible into German. First time the Bible was written in the, uh, translated into the German language. And during this period of time, he struggled mightily with doubt and with discouragement from the devil. And he would picture the devil crouching in the corner of his room, taunting him. And one day, he was so frustrated at the struggle that the enemy was causing him that he took the inkwell that he was using to, to dip his pen and to write with, he took his inkwell and he threw it across the room and he yelled, I am baptized. And that inkwell hit the wall, splattered a big ink spot, and a thousand years later today, you can go to Wartburg Castle and you can see the spot on the wall where the inkwell hit it. Martin Luther's way of combating the doubts of the devil was to remember his identity, that he was a baptized person. He was known to regularly shout as he went through the castle grounds when he was struggling at different times. He was known to just kind of randomly call out at times, I am baptized. I am baptized. I 
am a baptized person. And so today we are beginning a study on baptism. And a question that I have is, what difference does your baptism actually make? Was it simply a symbol that you did a while back? See, baptism was never meant to just be something that you remembered from the past. Baptism is a status that you live into every day. Most of us, I don't think, realize how powerful our baptism is. Perhaps you don't know what it means to be claimed by God and to identify in the life, death, and burial and resurrection of Jesus. In this series, The Baptized Life, we're talking not just about being baptized, but about living the life of a baptized person. And I hope that over the course of the next few weeks, we'll cover all of the questions that you have about baptism. Feel free to drop questions on communication cards, and I'll try to make sure we cover them through the weeks. But we're going to be digging in to this idea of what it means to be baptized people. Now, I I realize today that I'm primarily speaking to those who are Christians who have been baptized. If you have not been baptized, or if you have not put your faith in Jesus, I just want to invite you to consider what will be laid before you today. And, And if you've not been baptized, if you've not put your faith in Jesus, it's noteworthy that you are here today. It shows that you are seeking God, And maybe it shows that you're thinking about spiritual things or wrestling with spiritual things. And so I'm glad you're here, and I invite you to have a spirit of prayer and to seek to hear from God as you listen to his word today. Baptism is a sacrament. A sacrament is an outward sign of an inward grace. Can you repeat that after me, please? It's an outward sign of an inward grace. One more time. An outward sign of an inward grace. So we have two sacraments, baptism and communion. In communion, we have these outward signs of the bread and the cup, but we say there is an inner inside thing that happens that as we receive it, the Holy Spirit moves through it and speaks and works works in us. Same thing with baptism. We have the physical water, but there's something that, th- that God uses to effect a change in us. There are more allusions to baptism in the scripture than there are to the Lord's Supper. In fact, baptism is all over the Bible. It's a highly significant thing. At the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, doing what? Baptizing them. Jesus expects that this is a natural part of following him. All right, you put your faith in me, then you get baptized. He says that over and over again. Repent and believe, then get baptized. Repent and be baptized. So he says, he tells us to go and to baptize people. And also at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes on the believers, and then the, the believers are so filled with the Holy Spirit, they spill out into the streets and they can't help but declare the wonders of God because they're just so filled with the joy and the glory and the truth of God. And as they're talking, Uh, everybody become, all the people around them hear the gospel and many put their faith in Jesus. I think it's 3,000 people put their faith in Christ that day and are baptized. So there's this idea that baptism and belief in Jesus go hand in hand. So today, we're going to be digging into a key scripture about the baptism of Jesus himself. 
There are lots of passages about baptism, but let's begin with this foundational one of Jesus being baptized himself. We'll begin today with the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark, chapter 1. The beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made out of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom i love with you i am well pleased and it is in this act of baptism that jesus true identity is made known he is god's son he is loved and God delights in him. Now, baptism was something that was typically practiced among people outside the Jews. If somebody who was not a Jew, a Gentile, or somebody else from some other, some, anybody, any non-Jew, if they wanted to become part of the Jews and they wanted to worship the God of Israel, in order to be considered part of the Jews, they had to get baptized. And so usually baptism was reserved for non-Jews who wanted to become Jews. John, is doing so, John the Baptist is doing something very unusual here in that he's calling the Jews to baptism. He's saying, hey Jews, you need to repent. This is a baptism of repentance because you've got some work to do with God. So he's calling them to repentance. So it's really unusual that Jesus participates in baptism, which was usually reserved for Gentiles, and then was being offered to Jews who needed to repent of sins when Jesus didn't have any sins. And yet Jesus takes on identifying with humanity in all of our sin. And in this act, Jesus goes into the water, comes out of the water, the heavens are torn open. There's this tearing, that kind of this violent separating that brings earth and heaven together. And the voice, you are my son. You are loved by me. You please me. Church, if you 
have put your faith in Jesus, and if you have been baptized, you need to know three things about your baptism. The first is this. Baptism tells you your true identity. Baptism tells you your true identity, that you are beloved son, that you are beloved daughter. Now, some of you are maybe thinking, well, God, the father said that to Jesus. He, he isn't saying that to all the rest of us. Like, he doesn't know that. I mean, he doesn't love us quite the same. Here's what you need to know. The Bible tells us that for those who have put their faith in Jesus, that we have been adopted into God's family, that we become brothers and sisters with Jesus, that he has adopted, Ephesians 1.5 says he has adopted us as his children in accordance with his pleasure and will. It pleasured God. It was God's will to make you his daughter, to make you his son. It delighted God to bring you into his family. In Romans 8, 15, we read, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Read verse 16 out loud with me. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You're, if you have put your faith in Jesus, your identity is as a daughter of God, as a son of God. When you are baptized, you get put down into the water and you get brought up, and the statement is, you are baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When you get brought into a family, your name changes. You take on a different identity. And you are baptized in the name of the Father. So your new name as a, is, I'm Christy Christian. I'm Christy God's daughter. I'm Adam God's son. Your name changes. Your identity changes. Your human identity is now secondary. Your family, your culture, those are all secondary. Your first identity is that you, first of all, belong to God. You are his son and daughter. You are also beloved. That's just kind of a fancy way of saying loved a lot. Owned by God's love. You are owned by God's love. So many of us live kind of knowing, oh yeah, God loves me, but not living in the reality living in the reality of it. Yeah, you've heard it. You've heard it maybe all your life that God loves you, but we don't live like loved people. We don't truly believe that we actually are that loved. And I think that God, more than anything else, more than anything else, wants us to know how much we are loved by him. If you can get a little hint of God's love for you, it will change everything in your life. Being loved by God changes everything. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, we think that God loves like we do, which means not that well. We think God loves us the way that we love other people, which is like, I will tolerate you, but that's all this is right now. You have a creator God who loves you for all of your quirks and warts and issues. You have a creator God who says, oh, come on. I, I, you're not, that's not what we do here. 
come on, get your act together. But, but he's cheering for us, and he loves us, and he sees what we can be, and he has our future in mind, and he, everything about him is compassion and mercy and, and good discipline. Every, all discipline is for our, our building up and for our holiness. And he says, I love you this much. He is for you. He doesn't love like we do. And as baptized people, we need to remember we are loved and live like loved people. Do you remember that first time you fell in love and you realized that other person loved you back? It felt good, right? And you walked tall. You remember this. You remember this. The honeymoon period where you're like, I love them and they love me and it feels good. You are loved. You are loved and treasured by God. When it comes to your true identity, letter C, you are who God says you are. God tells you who your identity is. Quit believing the twisted truths. Quit believing the partial truths. God tells you who you are. He is the only one who can define your real identity. So anything that is not in alignment with what God says about you is a lie. Whether you are lying to yourself, whether other people are lying to you, you are not who your critics say you are. You are not who your enemies say you are. You are not what your competition says that you are. You are not what the world says that you are. You are not what the stereotypes say that you are. When we are baptized, we listen to who God says we are. That is the truth. So when God says, I love you, it means that you are loved. When God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, that means we actually are. If you want to figure out who you are, you first need to know who you belong to. My dad always had a saying for me growing up. He said, Christy, remember who you are and whose you are. He still says it to me sometimes. Remember who you are and whose you are. Remember that your identity is as a daughter of God and that you belong to him. If we know who we belong to, it changes everything. Remember who you belong to. So when your identity is being challenged, questioned, when you're doubting who you are, as a baptized child of God, you can confidently remind yourself, I am baptized. I am baptized. Now some of you have had your identity questioned just this week. Maybe you've been the one talking down to yourself. Maybe it's the negative thoughts spiraling. You, we've had so many decades of this negative self-talk. I, I can't, I'm not good enough, I'm this or that. I, we, the enemy loves to get that hamster wheel of, of thoughts cycling through your head. Maybe it's coming from other people. You aren't, you aren't that great. You, you are this, you are that. And deep down you know it's not true, but you, you don't know what to do with that. And, and we, we, we carry those burdens. Some of us have been wrestling with our identities being attacked this week. And I think most of us don't even realize how good our identity really is as the children of God. But as baptized children, 
maybe if we say it enough, maybe if we keep practicing, maybe we'll begin to actually believe and live into the fact that I am baptized. I am baptized. The second point is that baptism calls you to live according to your true identity. You know what happens in baptism? You go down into the water, and we symbolize death, burial, and then coming back up out of the water again is like coming up out of the grave, resurrection. The idea is that you don't keep on living in the death that you just resurrected from. The idea is that there is new life. That's what we talk about as Christians. New life, different life. We don't stay in the same old life. Yes, come as you are to Jesus, but he will not leave you as you are. He will change you. Baptism calls you to live according to your true identity. Throughout the New Testament, Paul is constantly talking to the Christians, and he says that he keeps saying to them over and over again, uh, hey, everybody, remember you're baptized. Just remember that you got baptized. Live up to your baptism. Don't forget, you're baptized people. He says it over and over again. He, he says, remember who you are in Christ. Don't you know what baptism did to you? Baptism changed you. So get with the program. Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You are dead to sin. You are alive in God. Let's just remember who you are. It is worth the fight, church. It is worth the fight to remember who you are and to put to death the sinful nature and to be raised in Christ every day. In Colossians, Colossians 3, Paul writes, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Let me just pause there a minute. What does he mean by raised with Christ? We haven't actually gone to heaven yet to be with Jesus. He's talking about being raised in baptism. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Verse 3, for you died. Now, they're not actually dead yet, right? What he's meaning here is baptism. You died to your old self. You died in baptism. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lust. Evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Paul says, live like the baptized person that you are. You are baptized. I in Romans 6, Paul's writing to the people again about this. And he says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Let me pause here a minute because sometimes we do this today. Sometimes we say, well, God is, such a, God is a God of grace, and so, you know, I can keep on sinning, and he'll just keep on loving me, he'll keep on helping me. Well, to some degree, that's true, and I'm not the one to tell you when God's grace says, okay, enough, there are going to be consequences here. That's for God to figure out. But the whole point here is not we just keep on sinning and living in the old life because, oh, there's grace to cover that. This is what Paul says. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. He says, no. Don't keep on wasting God's grace. God gives you grace for as you need it, but don't intentionally stay in your sin. By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That means we died to that stuff. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Christian, you are baptized. You are baptized. Pope St. Leo the Great says, Christian, remember your dignity. And now that you share in God's own nature, do not return by sin to your former base condition. Bear in mind who is your head and of whose body you are a member. Do not forget that you have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the light of God's kingdom. Through the sacrament of baptism, you have become a temple of the Holy Spirit. Do not drive away so great a guest by evil conduct and become again a slave to the devil. For your liberty was bought by the blood of Christ. Live according to your true identity. Baptism calls you to live according to your true identity. Point three. Baptism equips you for an identity crisis. Now, what's an identity crisis? It's when you forget, <laughs> who am, you think, who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What is it that I'm, all, what is this all about? Is there any purpose or meaning for me? Who am I again? Baptism will equip you for an identity crisis because your identity is not rooted in what happens to you. Your identity is rooted in who God says you are. So let's see what happens with Jesus. This is Jesus. He's, he has his baptism, and this is what happens immediately after his baptism. Mark chapter 1, verse 10. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. That sounds fun, doesn't it? Let's get baptized. Let's have this moment of the Trinity is revealed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit descending like a dove. Everybody's like, whoa, what just happened here? I don't know what it was like to see the heavens torn apart. I don't know who heard the voice of God speaking. But something happened in that moment, and it was pretty great. And as soon as this amazing moment, this identity is stated, He goes into the wilderness and is tempted by the devil. Hey, Mike, give a little nudge to your neighbor. Thanks. Jesus had an identity, could have had an identity crisis. And so the Spirit leads him out into the desert, and he's in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. And church, you need to know that if you live if you are baptized into the life of Christ, the enemy will lead you to question your identity. It will probably happen on an almost daily basis. 
We know from another gospel, from the gospel of Matthew, what happens when Jesus goes into the wilderness. It tells us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and it says he went to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting, I always laugh about this verse, Matthew 4, verse 2. It says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You think? <laughs> he was hungry. Let's just state the obvious. He was hungry. So he, he's already vulnerable. Anybody, anybody here get hangry? Okay, he's already vulnerable. He's already maybe not as strong and as confident as he was a few days ago when he got baptized. He was hungry. And the devil comes to him and he says, if you are the son of God, if, if you are really who God says you are, if this is who you actually are, these stones to become bread. And Jesus responds, and he says, the scriptures say, and then he responds with scripture. And then the devil comes back to him again, and again says, if you really are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, throw yourself down from here. And, and then the devil takes scripture and twists the scripture to try to influence Jesus that way. You see what the devil does here? He is specifically targeting Jesus' identity. He could have sought to trip Jesus up in lots of different ways. But he targets his identity because he knows that is the core. And he takes the scriptures and he twists the scriptures. He says, if you are the son of God, he attacks Jesus' identity. Now, we don't know how this all plays out in Jesus' inner mind. I wish I had more of Jesus' like journal entries during this time of what was actually going on for him. But we do know that the scripture tells us Jesus was tempted by the devil. It doesn't mean it was easy for him. This is not saying, yeah, Jesus was tempted, but he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, yes, I know who my identity is, and I'm not going to give in to you. The, the scripture paints this picture of Jesus struggled. That it was hard for him. That he had to exert a faith in the Father to carry him through. You will be subjected to an identity crisis. Your identity will be regularly tested. It will be regularly called into question. And if you are a baptized person, you can keep coming back to the fact that you belong to God, that you are his that you have your being, your function, your identity, your calling, your purpose, not in anybody else, but in him. So when you're tempted to question if you really belong to God, you can shout out, I am baptized. I got adopted in. When we're tempted to find our identity in some other temptation, to find our, our hope and our help in a substance. To find our sense of belonging in ungodly sex. To pursue power because we just so want to have meaning in life. And when we exert our self-power by losing our tempers or pushing through people, we need to shout to remind ourselves, I am baptized. I've died with Christ. When we sense the devil's presence and we feel him lurking across the room, we can throw our inkwells and we can shout, I am baptized. Get behind me, Satan. 
when we are down low, beaten up, feeling worthless, we're wondering why on earth God made us in the first place. When we're feeling just alone and unnoticed. If you struggled with self-loathing, self-pity, you're just being a little self-centered. You need to shout to remind yourself, I am baptized. I am baptized. This is who I am. I am a baptized child of God. The baptized life that Christians are living is full of ups and downs, but it is God's deep and rich life for us, and it is because we are God's beloved children. So knowing your identity is the starting point for being equipped for your purpose. So church, if you are a believer in Jesus and you have been baptized, you need to remind yourself that I am baptized. (laughs) Call it out. Say it. Live into it. Remind yourself, I am baptized. Let's live the baptized life. Let's not go on sinning so that grace may increase. By no means. We've died to sin. And so we keep pushing for the baptized life and seeking it in our lives. For those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus yet and have not trusted him for salvation, Maybe you haven't had the opportunity to do so. Maybe you've had a complicated journey. I'm glad you're here today, and I think that you being here does communicate that God's stirring something in your heart, that there's something that you're looking for, that God is also reaching out to you. The scriptures tell us that putting our faith in him is simply trusting him to take care of our sin, to trust him as our rescuer, to trust him as the leader in our lives. To say, I relinquish control. I give it up. I'm not living my own life. I'm living a baptized life, which means you're in charge, and my identity comes from you and not me. And if you're in this place of of saying, I haven't trusted Jesus, and I think I might be ready, I want you to consider this your invitation today. And I just want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if that's you, I want you to take a few moments to just be with God. Perhaps you're sensing maybe the Holy Spirit tapping on your shoulder. And you're saying, yep, it's a faith step. But today, I, I need that baptism of repentance. I need to repent of some things. I need to confess some things to God. And I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I am trusting him to rescue me out of this. And I'm trusting him that when he says that he can take my life and live it, live through me and give me a new life, I'm, I, I choose to believe that and I receive that new life. Some of you are there today. And if that is you, 
you need to know that you are loved by God and that he so desperately wants you to be in his family. It's what he created you for. It is your purpose in life. It's where it all begins. And this is the start of something new. And now I want to speak to those in the church who have put their faith in Jesus but have never followed him in baptism. And I want to challenge you with this. There is, we do not have a scriptural framework for receiving Christ and not getting baptized. In the Bible, they go together. And I would suggest to you that it's time. And whatever has held you back, let's dig into that. Examine what it is that is holding you back. Because where there is resistance, often that's where God wants to move. We'll be celebrating baptism in just a few weeks, and if you are ready to say yes to God in baptism, you'll have an opportunity to do so. And I'd invite you to take a communication card and write your name and write baptism on there and uh, drop that in the welcome table, drop box, or else give it to me after the service, and I'll contact you this week and we can talk about it. For the rest of you, let's live into the baptized life. Let's live as in the truth that we are baptized. We, we have... We usually receive, uh, and you can, you can lift your heads now, we usually receive uh, communion at this point in the service, but today instead of communion, we are going to be doing a remembering your baptism ceremony. And there are three basins of water here, and it is an opportunity for those of you who have been already baptized to come and remember your baptism. And so at, we'll say a liturgy together in just a moment, and afterward you'll come forward and dip your hands into the water, and feel that water on your face and on your hands and remember the baptism. Remember that you are baptized. Let's read this together. Statements of truth about our baptism. Sisters and brothers in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, God's spirit has been poured out upon the water. Water that flows freely for all who will receive it. Today we come to the waters to renew our commitments in each other's presence to the death, burial, and resurrection that are ours. And so I ask you, will you turn away from the powers of sin and death? We renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of our sin. Will you let the Spirit use you as prophets to the powers of this world? We accept the freedom and power God gave us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. Will you proclaim the good news and live as disciples of Jesus Christ, his body on earth? We confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, put our whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as our Lord, in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you be living witnesses to the gospel, individually and together, wherever you are, and in all that you do? We will remain faithful members of Christ's holy church, and serve as Christ's representatives 
in the world? Will you receive and profess the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments? We affirm and teach the faith of the whole church as we put our trust in God, the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, and in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. So as we sing this song, if you have been baptized, I invite you to participate in this Remembering Your Baptism Act. And simply come forward, dip your hands in the water, touch it to your face, your hands, and say, I am baptized. Come as you're ready.